Welcome to the MetPro Method podcast. I am your host, Crystal O'Keefe. Today, I am joined by MetPro founder, Angelo Poli, and we are discussing a series of myths, weight loss myths. And we want to talk today about intermittent fasting. What is it? What isn't it? What has MetPro found? Angelo, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Crystal. (laughs) So when it comes to intermittent fasting, there is so much information out there. One of the things that I have heard over and over again is that limiting your food to certain hours of the day is the primary reason that intermittent fasting leads to weight loss. True or false? That would be false. That is what our finding. Now, we're going to limit our context today, not to medical or health. We're going to limit the context today to metabolism and weight loss. Okay. So what happens is, and of course, there are so many, like we cover in these series, so many different approaches to weight loss, and there's neither good nor bad. It's our job at MetPro to help explain what it is and what it isn't so that every tool can be used most effectively. So that is probably the most common myth when it comes to intermittent fasting from a weight loss perspective is it's assumed that the fasting window is what triggers the weight loss. And it's talked about that way. The truth is consuming less calories is the primary trigger for weight loss when implementing intermittent fasting. And the truth is, with all dieting, it's going to be either some way, shape, or form calorie restriction or carbohydrate restriction. That's going to be the trigger. So here's what that means. Consecutive fasting hours places your body in a hormonal state that may, for some, encourage light weight loss, encourage. Hmm. However, its impact is secondary to the total caloric intake. Restricting food to smaller feeding window to a smaller feeding window typically results in reduced calorie intake. And that is what at the end of the day is the primary motivator in triggering weight loss. So here's a way to think about it. If you wanted to do a impartial test, you would track what you're eating and reproduce that same caloric intake, the same diet, just within a tighter window and see what the difference is. What you're going to experience is the difference is gonna be pretty marginal, especially if it's a modest fueling window, which is most common, eight hours, 10 hours, whatever the case may be. If you were eating the same meal, just for a kind of a mental experiment here, if you were eating the same meal you were eating a grilled chicken breast, you're eating sweet potato and you're eating green beans and a little bit of olive oil. That was your meal. And you're eating that four times a day. If you continue eating that, but now just tighten up the window that you're eating it within, some people might experience a minor weight loss effect. Some people actually might go slightly in the opposite direction, but the change is going to be mostly marginal. But what happens is when you're restricting the time frame with which you're eating, it's a potent gamification method that encourages reduced calories. So for someone who is not supposed to eat at breakfast or eat after dinner, whereas maybe naturally they would be doing extra snacking, what's taking place is it's cutting out some extra calories. And that reduction in caloric intake is not the only, but it is the principal trigger for weight loss. 
So our read our actual findings as written by MetPro. At MetPro, we've learned that the practice of time-restricted eating does have some merit, especially if poor impulse control or overconsumption is a big factor. However, our data suggests that there may be other methods of appetite control that prove more effective over time. Even if some time-restricted eating is utilized, taking a multidisciplinary approach that allows also for calorie management, glycemic control, custom macros provides a better outcome. So in other words, time-restricted eating or time-gating almost exclusively focuses on when you eat. If you're going to implement that, it's still to your advantage to consider what you eat. That's essentially been our findings. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Now, that helps with that, but there are other myths that are out there. What about the one that you hear all the time? Abstaining from food during a portion of the day speeds up my metabolism. How does that work? So the truth is, the more often you eat, the more opportunity your metabolism has to run at full throttle. Now, here's the counterbalance. Eating too infrequently can lead to a slower metabolism while eating too often can result in overconsumption. So a balance for you must be maintained that meets your needs. So there's a balance there. However, here's what our stated findings have been over watching people, many people over periods of time. At MetPro, our data clearly indicates that individuals eating more food, not less, as their training increases, have the fastest metabolic rates. Short periods of carefully planned calorie increases have a powerful revving effect on a slow metabolism. And our data suggests that spreading these calories across more meals, not less, produces the best results. So this really goes back to a broader concept, to snack or not to snack. So if you go back and if you look at physique sports, so the bodybuilders, the physique competitors, et cetera, what you're going to find dominant in that industry is frequent fuelings of smaller meals, or as the case may be, frequent fuelings of larger meals, but it's frequent fuelings. And then the studies from the weight loss industry has essentially said in more recent times, yeah, we've ran comparisons eating 2000 calories a day spread across five or six meals and 2000 calories a day spread across three meals. And what we found is there's basically not much of a difference. And that's the true thing. But they're not taking into consideration. They're taking into consideration just from a standpoint of that meal plan weight loss today, difference is marginal. What they're not thinking about is how do we rev the metabolism? The way we rev the metabolism in step with exercise is actually increasing fuel. And now what we have observed very pointedly at MetPro is when we increase someone's intake, being able to spread it across more meals allows better toleration. So for example, if I have to increase someone's carbohydrate intake and I want to get them used to eating 100 grams a day more, if I have five or six meals to spread that out across versus just two or three, it's much more likely I'm going to be able to gradually add those hundred grams over the course of some time with no weight gain in the case of the person who's spreading it across the five or six meals, which is why 
especially across the board, we like snacks. That's more a behavioral reason. But from a metabolic standpoint, the conclusion we've come to is during periods of revving your metabolism, where that's the goal is to force your metabolism to speed up, the more frequently you're eating, the better, because we can keep the meals smaller and we can add smaller amounts across multiple meals. And that has a very potent revving effect. Okay. Okay. So complete opposite. MetPro has observed the complete opposite of what that myth says. In this case, yes. Okay. Okay. Now, what about this one? I will perform my best if I only fuel during certain hours of the day. I hear this one a lot. Yes. So typically, you're not going to hear this a lot from your really competitive, high-performing athletes. There are exceptions. And so here's where this comes from. This comes from the concept of when I try and train on a full stomach, I feel sluggish. And, and that's all true. But the concept of when I have less fuel, I'm going to perform better. Well, we have 100 years of sports nutrition that states quite the opposite. The truth is you will perform your best when carbohydrates, your body's preferred fuel source for intense activity, vigorous activity, is available when the demand arises. Carbohydrates positioned around training can provide the needed fuel for both performance and the recovery to perform at your best. Protein is used for muscle repair, but remember, you can only absorb approximately, give or take, 25 grams of protein at once. And while protein is forgiving as to the time of day you take it in, you don't have to have it immediately post-workout. But be that as it may, spreading the protein out over multiple meals still has its advantages especially for athletes with higher protein requirements. So here have been our findings at MetPro. While our findings indicate that it is possible to perform at a very high level of performance with a modest eating window, we've observed a drop in performance when that window is too restrictive. The effects appear to be most pronounced among individuals pursuing muscular developments, in other words, when you're trying to build muscle, or endurance athletes where training is falling outside of those fueling windows, especially. And that makes sense because if you're trained for a marathon or something, you need to, you can't do that on an empty stomach. <laughs> yeah, you're you going to need that fuel. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. So if you kind of wanted to sum all this up, I mean, what I hear, correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm hearing you say is that intermittent fasting is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not necessarily effective for weight loss all by itself. It's the restriction of calories that is, and you can actually get more bang for your buck by pairing it intermittent fasting or slightly restricted windows by also pairing it with the types being very specific about the types of food that you are eating. That has been exactly our findings. Now, there are occasions where we've evaluated who might, and this is what we do for each modality is we evaluate who might most benefit from a particular modality. And in this case, we've identified people that tend to have a naturally faster metabolic rate do better with some time restricted versus people with already a slow metabolic rate. And so obviously that seems like, well, duh, if you have a fast metabolism, all diets are going to, but in this case, 
it's even more pronounced because if the reason somebody is having a hard time managing their weight is because of overconsumption, not because of slow metabolism, sometimes time gating your food can be very effective and useful. And I'll give you an example of where I've used time gating for some of my clients. So I had an athlete, he was very athletic, very strong and competed, but he had an appetite that wouldn't quit. Just this guy was hungry. And a lot of us are going, "Uh uh-huh, I can relate. And I'm the same way. And so here's his schedule. He was getting up in the morning, having breakfast, and then training at 5.30 a.m. And by noon, he needed to have two snacks. He was ravenous. So he's eaten twice before he got to lunch. Then at lunch, he would need a big lunch, and then he would need a snack in the afternoon, and he would have dinner. And then sometimes he would still be hungry at night. And even as clean as those meals were, he was eating for so many hours of the day, his total intake numbers were just beyond the threshold of where his current metabolic rate was. He was not losing weight. In his case, we were able to adjust his schedule and move his training to the afternoons. That enabled him to actually wake up and not have breakfast for a couple hours. Now, we didn't go half the day, but he was having breakfast at nine o'clock. Also, he wasn't training first thing in the morning. So he didn't have that jolt to his appetite. So he was able to have breakfast and then go until lunch, have his snacks in the afternoon, train in the evening, and then have dinner, still eating very clean. But that was the key in his case to unlocking his ability to get his intake threshold where it needed to be to trigger weight loss for him. Now I'll give you a counter example. (laughs) Okay not be time gating their food. You've been restricting calories. You already restrict calories. You already watch carbohydrates. And when you do the math, you're already eating, let's say for a woman, about 1200 calories a day. And we want to try intermittent fasting because our friend says, oh, it works great. And then they try it. And lo and behold, you did lose more weight. Let me do the math for you on that. We have to do the calculations. That means that you continued eating what you were already eating, which is only adding up to a really a minimum of calories. Yeah. You cut a third of that out. That will result in a little more weight loss now. First, there's energy, performance, health, and safety concerns if you take that too far. But from a metabolic standpoint, that puts you in a real predicament because it's a credit card scenario. It's a buy now, pay later. If you do the math and you find that your intermittent fasting protocol is dropping you below a thousand calories a day most days, there's going to be interest on that. Because remember, your metabolism will adapt over time to that. What's your next steps? Where do you go from there? There's only one direction. So that's why we like to just be purposeful and educated before we implement these strategies and know what we're getting into. And then that last demographic that we've identified where a form of time-gating food can be really useful for is sometimes people associate gamification as a bad thing. It is not. It can be very useful. If gamification helps you not snack after dinner, what do we usually snack on after dinner? Nothing Nothing good. good. I knew that one. (laughs) You got it. So as we look at these different methods and modalities, don't ever look through the scope of this is good and this is bad and this works and that doesn't. Look through the scope of what's the underlying science behind it and how can it help me in my case. 
I mean, that really sums up exactly what MetPro is always doing is looking at each individual person and what works best for them. So you just kind of summed up. <laughs> Very nice, That's Angela. That's what we try to do, Crystal. <laughs> Anything else you want to share with folks about intermittent fasting before we move on today? You know, that's what our coaches are here before. If you're currently participating in it and want to see if there's a way to optimize it further, we can help you with that. If you're considering it and want to know if that would be an approach that we would work into a program for you, talk with one of our experts and we will look at your personal scenario and explain pros and cons and how it would be best implemented. That is very good direction. And if anybody is interested in that, the best place to go is to metpro.com. Co. That is all for this week, listeners. If you would like to hear more of these episodes, you can find all the MetPro Method episodes anywhere you get podcasts, or you can also go to metpro.co slash podcast. Please be sure to rate and review. Follow the show that lets everyone else know what they can expect. And you can learn more about MetPro at metpro.co. I am your host, Crystal O'Keefe, and I will be back next week. Remember, consistency is key. Mm-hmm.